It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Having a miserable week? Well, hang in there because we are back with your favorite Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Mohammed, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend and consummate professional, Jacob Redman. Jacob, how you doing? See, you think I'm a professional, Zach, but here's the part of the podcast where I'm actually going to double cross you. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I know. You didn't see it coming, but actually, uh, this is this is it. Uh, the dialy is here, and sorry about it. You're going to do me like Long Fang did Azula, Tis. Yeah. Little did you know that the Dai Li only bowed to true nobility. And I am a true royal. That's Dang. They get the, I, I got you. See, I actually think that the, the character that you're most channeling uh, is actually the Avatar himself. Uh, Zach, <laughs> when, when the last time we started this podcast a few minutes ago, your internet cut out and you vanished. So just like the Avatar, you know, you just disappeared on us. Yeah, vanish. At least it wasn't for a hundred years, and instead it was just for like five minutes. So there. We that go. is true. That is true. It'd be quite odd to uh, to explain to people. Be like, yeah, we're we're not doing the podcast because Zach is vanished. Uh, he cannot be found. <laughs> uh, we've checked all the icebergs, but I don't know where he is. Uh, he's lost. Well, luckily this isn't the leftovers, and people aren't disappearing <laughs> all over the place. This is Avatar season two, episode twenty, the crossroads of destiny. We're finally here. We got we got the Zutara of it all, an amazing fights, one of the best moments in the whole series with Azula shooting down Aang. So we got a lot to dig into, and I'm very excited to do so. We do. Not only do we have like the culmination of everything we've been going up to, but we also have an incredible fight to break down. Like a fight, I think that's like one of the top Avatar fights. A lot going on, uh, as well as just like all of the storylines that we were talking about last week that got uh, introduced all came to a head, and we they we all intersected at this crossroads here. Yeah, that's facts. And I'm really excited to get into that fight. I think I could do like a whole play by play commentary <laughs> on that fight. I have so many notes just on the fact, like last six minutes of this episode. So I'm really excited to get into it. Yeah, typically whenever there's a, a fight in the last six minutes of the episode, we always find that the episode kind of drags a bit like the episode is not living up to the rest of the Avatar catalog. But I think this is one where the fight really enhances it. Uh, and probably because they did so much of the work last week to get the exposition dumps to like put everything in place this week, it was just cashing in. It was just like raining, raining uh, in like good storyline after good storyline. Not facts. And to add on to that, I just want to say this. This is one of my, it was on my mind the whole time. How powerful <laughs> is Katara to go mano y mano with Azula throughout this whole fight? That's what's crazy about me. She don't got the avatar powers that Aang has. She's just a normal waterbender going toe to toe with like this elite firebender. So shout out Katara. We'll get into it, but that fight was very impressive. She had Azula on the ropes a couple of times. 
That that's very true. Uh, yeah, she definitely like was making her presence in that fight known. Uh, really like taking people on, and I think like what she does at the very end is even more impressive. I mean, we'll get there, but like she creates a tsunami. I mean, yeah. watch out! Like that's category four. Like the Weather Channel named the event that she created. <laughs> no, hundred percent. She created a whole tsunami. But yeah, I skipped ahead <laughs> a little bit. I'm just so excited to dig right into it. Anything else we should talk about before we start? Um. No, I mean, maybe, actually, maybe we should go over the schedule for the next few weeks oh, uh, sure, because sure. this is the end of season two. Uh, so next week, we're going to do a season two retrospective. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun with it. We're going to go through the episodes. We'll go through the fights, all that. Um, you know, we'll come up with an MVP and LVP. But if you have any segment ideas, I, I think it was a lot of fun. You know, last uh, at the end of the last season, we did like a basketball uh, team and we had like a few more things that we were doing. So if there are any other things you have, please do write into us avatar at post show recaps. And then the week after that, we will be taking another break from doing like a, an episode proper of season three, episode one. And instead we will do a brand steel uh, and we'll put some more details next week, but that's what we have for the next two weeks. Yeah, and for those like my friend Pat, who might not necessarily know what a brand steel is. So basically, it's a simulated survivor game. We'll do it with fictional characters. In this case, characters from the Avatar universe, and we'll play it through. It's like a website. It does a whole thing. And then we'll crown a winner of the fictional Avatar Survivor season. Yeah, yeah. So that will be quite fun. Uh, but I'm excited for that. And then we will jump right into season three. I'm super excited to see what... Uh, you know, what's in store for us in season three, what jokes we go down, what rabbit holes we go down. It'll be a lot of fun. So lots of exciting stuff in the next few weeks. Yeah, um, I'm super excited to get into all of it. I think our last season, our season one review and show was really fun. So, yeah, it was it was definitely one of the more fun podcasts to record. I mean, it was just like like all of the silly tangents that like, you know, sometimes we'll like go down and sometimes we'll be like. We'll, we'll like test the waters. I felt like we, we went full in, you know, we did like <laughs> a whole basketball team. Like that was just absurd. It was a great time. That was fun. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I had a great time. Um, anyway, so if there are any other like segment ideas that you have, any questions for the season next week will be a great time that we can go over those. Uh, but we have a proper episode of avatar to get to. So we should probably, uh, you know, get started. Yeah, let's do it. So the episode opens and it's Aang and Sokka flying in on Appa and they notice Toph rock surfing from her escape from Master Yu and Jin Fu, but they inadvertently cause her to wipe out. Sad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's I, I thought I thought this was very funny because, you know, Toph is like a super competent person. You know, most of the time she's like able to do what she needs to do. She's very self-sufficient. And here, like she's literally moving Earth to like surf on it. Uh, but all it takes is Sokka throwing out those helpful words of need a ride for her to just wipe out. <laughs> yeah, facts. I mean, I felt bad for poor Toph. She just escaped these guys. Now she's wiping out. She's probably already bruised and banged up. Poor Toph. Oh, exactly. I mean, she was just in like a literal cage for like a day as she was getting transported. Now she's been like, I guess, sprinting on the earth uh, just <laughs> to take a fall. That's uh, pretty rough. Um, yeah. I, so on Friday night I was biking home, um, like from, uh, the, like a Southern part of Chicago and I was like biking and I accidentally fell and I, uh, I've got to say my right side of my body hurts. I'm not sure I could do the earth bending that Toph does that she's been doing in the <laughs> next part of this episode. Uh, I think I'd have to like 
sit out. I'd be like, sorry, uh, Sokka, you've, you've put me on the injured list. I'm, I can no longer help. Damn, I'm lucky. I'm a clumsy individual myself, but I have not had any falls recently. So here's to hoping okay. I go another year without falling all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I'm, I'm not super clumsy. I just like, sometimes I forget that like, I can't turn around and bike. Like it's just, it's just the small things like that, uh, that really get you. But anyway, uh, if I was in Toff's case, I'd be like, look, uh, I'm on the injured list. Do not come to me. Uh, I will be going having another spa day, and that's that. <laughs> there you go, another spa day. Get your mani pedi on. Exactly that. That would be that would be what I would be up to. But anyway, uh, she just falls, uh, and yeah, they they. I like also the faces that Sokka and Aang make here. They're just like, oof, uh, it's gotta be. A yeah, I, I like the facial expressions as well. I have that in my notes. Yeah, uh, then. Sorry. Then we get to Azula. Azula is uh, really like really stepped into her own here. Uh, she's like commanding the Dai Li. We saw this plan get formed last week. And last week she had an idea of what she was going to do. You know, use the Dai Li to overthrow, uh, making Long Feng think he was in charge. She's stepped into her own. Uh, this speech that she's giving to these people is like, I was ready to start a coup myself. Like I was going to overthrow the earth King alone. Uh, was, was this inspiring to you, Zach? Yeah. Last week we saw her start, put this plan into motion and now we're seeing her execute the plan. And she's really riling up these Dai Li agents ready to send them into war almost. And yeah, it's so like, what she, what does she say at one point? If she senses any weakness, she will snuff it out. And that's yes. like, it was so poetic and scary, just like the way Tai Li described it. So yeah, yes. great speech from Azula, very brave hearty here. So there we go. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I think her plan is good. Like, so you have the Earth King and you have these five generals. Uh, apparently, like, they all need to go all at once. And so the plan's like, all right, we're going to do a clean sweep. We're going to take all out, all six people out at the same time. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll we'll just go ahead and, and like, take over the government. I was like, great. Uh, I'm sure it's going to work. You are, uh, you, you're the general here. Like, it was very impressive stuff. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And, and and it worked out perfectly, too. Azula, like her coup almost goes without hitch. I mean, it does go without hitch, actually. She had by the end of it, she said they, the Earth Kingdom has fallen. They've taken yeah. Austin say So her coup works out perfectly. Yeah, I mean, there are a few parts that might have gone a little bit better. You know, like maybe you capture the Avatar instead of like letting him get away. But like, I would say I would rate this coup like a nine out of ten, uh, nine and ten coup. Very few coups have done better. <laughs> True. I mean, most coups are failed, so <laughs> most of them are zero out of ten. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, anyway, the next thing we get to is outside the royal palace. Zuko and Iroh are starting to go towards it. Last week we left, and they were told that they were going to serve tea to the king. Uh, and so now they are rolling up to the palace Iroh here is like really, I think, looking back on his time, uh, he's saying like he thought he was going to go to the palace as a conqueror. Instead, he's now a personal guest of the Earth King. Um, I, I really did want this to be right for Iroh. I really think that in a world where Iroh does get to serve uh, tea to the king, he gets to live his life. I think he's probably very happy. Yeah, that's a very good point you bring up. And yeah, we get very sentimental moments from Iroh talking about how like, yeah, destiny is a funny thing. How he thought he'd come as a conqueror. And yeah, I, I just I, I wish the best for Iroh. I feel it sucks for him. He's going to turn on Azula and Zuko and then just get sent away to toil in a prison for a while. So 
Yeah. Yeah. He definitely gets the short end of the stick here. Uh, like even Aang, who's like going to get beaten. This fight is able to get away and get healed. And like, you know, he'll, he'll do fine. But like Iroh really has to go through the rough of it uh, here. And it is so sad because I think this like tee shot that he has is probably like one of his happiest paths that he could have gone down. Like if he showed up and was a conqueror at the palace and did take over bossing say, I'm not sure he would have been that happy. I'm not sure that would be like his best outcome. Yeah. Cause Iroh at heart is very airbender esque in the sense that he's a very peaceful, spiritual person. I mean, I think he's one of the few people we'll see go into the spirit world. So yes. the thing, so that being said, it's like, um, sorry, what, what were we talking about again? Uh, just how like, Uncle Iroh like has this uh, like life path in front of him that yes. is so much better than like what he could have gone. Yes, on. exactly, exactly. With his tea shop, it's like him constantly at war. That's not going to work out for him. But him being happy and present with the tea shop, that's perfect for like a natural a person who's naturally at peace for it. Yeah, I agree. And it seems like Zuko also is in that spot. You know, Zuko like seems genuinely happy. It seems like a weight has been lifted off of his shoulders. And he seems like he's able to be present in the moment. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Chicago Cubs. And our mm-hmm. old manager used to have a statement where he'd say, be present, not perfect. And I kind of think that sums up what I, uh, Zuko and Iroh's characters are doing right now. You know, they're not perfect. Uh, they're obviously like Fire Nation refugees. Um, but I think that they're present in the moment. And I think that's a huge step of growth from Zuko. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. Shout out the old Chicago Cubs manager, because that's similar kind of to the advice that Iroh gives Aang later on in the episode, where yeah. he's talking to Aang about, yeah, just like being in the present and not being perfect. So, Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Joe Madden did a lot other than uh, win the Cubs World Series. He also gave some good advice. So Nice. There we go. Yeah. Shout out Joe Madden. Shout out Joe Madden. Wow. Who would have thought that I'd get to shout out Joe Madden on the podcast ever, <laughs> man? Oh, there we go. From my mouth to Joe Madden's ears. What a guy. Um, I, I'm sure he's an Aang in their fan, right, Zach? Yo, yeah, definitely. Definitely. We're very popular. We're, well, remember, we did have that Jets beat writer who had like 50K followers, like randomly oh, yeah. had Aang in there. So, hey, we do have some <laughs> random fans. That is the true. That is true. World. I was shocked. I was looking wow. at this guy's profile. It, or was it, no, it was a Philadelphia Eagles beat writer. That's what. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 99% sure. Yeah. Yep. Yes, that was that was very odd. But I was. Uh, yeah, that was great. Anyway. Um, yeah. So Joe Madden, uh, shout out. Great, great advice. I have a T-shirt that says that quote. Um, anyway, we, we get back to Aang. Uh, Aang is listening to advice uh, that he actually like did not listen to. And he just decided to leave. Toph asked him how it went with the guru and if he's like actually master of the avatar state. And Aang, you know, thinks for a second, he thinks back to the advice that the guru gave him. And he's like, yeah, it was good. I mastered it. We're, we're good here. Um, I think that might have blocked up one of his chakras. I think that was a lie, Zach. <laughs> I didn't even think of that at the moment, but you're right. He's definitely lying here to cover his ass. And it, it sucks for Aang because you want it to go well and you want him you want him to master the Avatar state. But alas, it was not meant to be. And it, <laughs> he just straight up lies to Sokka and uh, Toph here telling them it went perfect. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there should have been some consequence for this. You know, he lies here and he gets away with it. It seems like no one ever calls him on it. No one even knows. In fact, for all Sokka and Toph know he did master the avatar state because he does later on in the episode um, when he like finally has to have that pivotal moment. Yeah. Like 
I don't know. This was weird for Aang to lie. It seemed a bit out of character. I know he's embarrassed, but I feel like it should have blocked up another chakra. I think that was chakra five last week. <laughs> yeah, this kind of screams like season one Aang, where Aang's a little indecisive, doesn't know exactly what he's going to do. So he just decides to lie in the heat of the moment. Not great for Aang. What can, what else yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like this is the Bato of the Water Tribe Aang where he just like decides like, oh, I'm going to try to cover my tracks, even though it's like super obvious I'm lying. And I thought we had moved past that. Come on. This is season two finale. No, true. That's a very good point. Honestly, yeah. not not Aang's best moment of the episode for sure. Yeah. Um, we go back to the Royal Palace where Zuko and Iroh are ready to pour tea for the king. Uh, Zuko's like wondering why it's taking so long. And Uncle Iroh here surprises me a bit. He gives the excuse that maybe the Earth King overslept, and that seems like just terrible intuition from Uncle Iroh. Uncle Iroh is always the person who like is like, oh, we're in danger, we're in trouble, something's not right. But here Zuko's the one who actually says, like, this is wrong, something's not going okay. And I'm surprised that Iroh was so blinded by what he wanted that he wasn't able to sense that something was up. Yeah, maybe he was just so happy in the moment that he's finally serving tea to the Earth King. It's his long, like a dream of his for a long time. And you're just so happy in the moment that he was just blinded by his exuberant bliss, sadly. Yeah, that makes it even more sad then. Dang, that makes me so sad for him because like he's so excited for the moment that he doesn't even realize what's happening. That's yeah. Because you're right, he usually has this like sixth sense of being able to sense when danger's happening. He knows when people are about to attack, but this is the one of the first exactly. times in the whole series where we see him, and he doesn't. He just doesn't know what's about to go down. Yeah, but even though he doesn't know what is about to go down, he's quick to catch himself up to speed and start uh, like planning uh, the offensive himself. Azula walks in, and she walks in. She's like, "It's tea time." Uh, which I think is funny. Probably the only time Azula has ever uttered those words with an excited tone. Uh, Do you think that's right, Zach? No, a hundred percent. And it's funny because we talk about Azula's like comedy. We talked about that in the chase, I think, and how she's like, Oh, you can laugh at her Zuko impersonation. This might be her best joke of the whole series. It's tea time. I don't know why it just made me laugh in the moment. The, the best joke has to be when she's on the beach and she's trying to relate to the fellow youths. Like, do you do you know what scene I'm talking about, Zach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, yeah, yeah. when she's at the beach with Zuko, <laughs> May, and Tyler. When she's talking to that uh, Fire Nation guy, like that. That's like peak comedy. <laughs> True. That we joke is so good. That, that's a good. That's a good like slice of life episode of Avatar. I'm excited to I get into agree. that when we eventually do. It's like a very nice yep. change of pace. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, this this it's tea time might be like the best joke uh, to date from Azula here. Um, but then so Zuko realizes it's Azula. Uh, Azula kind of tells them a lot of their plan uh, saying or like or gives away like a lot saying like this is the Dai Li, like they're on my side. Um, not in so many words, but like lets them know. And then I like how she says like they're earthbenders, but they have a killer instinct that's so firebender. I really like that. Yeah, they just have that like hint of like devilishness that Azula herself has. So great yeah. line from Azula. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. And I think it's cool because earlier in the season, Ira was talking about how the different nations all can take things from different people. Uh, and I like how Azula is attracted to the most firebenders of all the earthbenders. Like that's the one that she's gravitating to. Yeah, 100% facts. Yeah. Uh, but then Iroh just decides to really step up his game here. He asks, uh, does anyone know how he got the nickname Dragon of the West? 
And he gives a nice little demonstration. I feel like this is like a dangerous demonstration. No science class in the country <laughs> could get away with this one. Zach, do you want to explain what he does here? Yeah, he takes a sip of tea and breathes out some super hot fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, yeah, he literally spits fire everywhere. And my question is, why does he need the tea? Like, wouldn't the liquid make it harder? Hmm, that's a good question. Maybe it makes it easier, though. Maybe it's like, you ever watch wrestling? I don't know if you, you know, Triple H, he was a wrestler. He used to have this celebration okay. where he would drink water and, like, spit out the water in, like, a cloud of water, basically. So it would just Oh, look- he would, like, make it, like, like spew more. To, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it would look like a cloud rather than, like, water. And so, basically, that's what I think Iroh's doing here. Maybe the water enhances his fire, or the tea enhances his fire bending. Okay, yeah. yeah. It seems about right. Um, but yeah, so he does a nice little cool move here where he shoots fire everywhere. I love this idea that the reason why he's called the dragon of the West is because he takes tea and turns it into fire. Like that's such an Ira move. <laughs> yeah. It's such a boss nickname too. I mean, dragon of the West. Come on. It, yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, that's a dope title to have. I wish people were calling me the dragon of the West, but I mean, sadly, you are. I'm just uncle Zach. That's the best <laughs> nickname I got. You can be Uncle Zach of the West. I mean, you can at least get half the nickname. I, I agree. The cooler part is definitely the dragon, but uh, you can be of the West if you'd like. Yeah, true. I mean, technically, I do live in Western Canada. So exactly. There we yeah. go. Uncle Zach of the West. <laughs> I um, like yeah, I feel like if we continue down this path and just keep adding, this will become like an honorific where it just be is like uh, is ever extending and never ends. It's like introducing you on a podcast would just take so long because you'll be like <laughs> uncle zach of the west he who never stops or like yeah whatever, oh, whatever we wise. come up with he who never stops sleeping there we go <laughs> <laughs> never stops sleeping i was just gonna say like uh yeah never stops podcasting or oh there you know, we go I mean, yeah. I mean we do only have i podcast once a week you're the one who never stops podcasting you and felipe got the brazilian dragon podcast and all that stuff yeah but but then you look at rob and and rob just is like He's the machine. I, I think he's the, the dragon of North Carolina with this podcasting. <laughs> True. Yeah. No, Rob's crazy with this yeah. podcasting. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so then, like, uh, Iroh, he comes up with, like, uh, a big diversion. He blasts a, a hole in the wall. He starts, like, um, you know, the Dailies, like, su- shooting some rocks at him, but he's able to get around the corner. Uncle Iroh destroys a wall, uh, jumps down, and tries to get Zuko to go with him. And Zuko stops. Uh, at first, Uncle Iroh's like, come on, you'll be fine, thinking that he's like scared of heights or something. Uh, <laughs> but instead, Zuko is ready to take on Azula. Uncle Iroh's got to be upset that he jumped first. Uh, he definitely wishes that he stayed around and was like, no, Zuko, you're jumping and then I'll jump or else we're both going to take her on together. No, 100%. And also, how stupid is this from Zuko thinking he can take on Azula with the backing of the Dai Li? Just like yeah. the in, insane numbers advantage. You can't even beat her in a one-on-one fight. What are you going to do? Ch- or, I mean, I, what he does do is challenge her to an Agni Kai. And then she just like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> and then yeah. he just gets bodied. So, I don't yeah. know. This is pretty stupid from Zuko, in my opinion. She literally suggests it. She's like, are you going to challenge me? He's like, yeah. And she's like, no, thanks. And then walks away and lets the Daily agents do it for her. Uh, if the Daily agents are taking Zuko out this easily, there's no way he's beating Azula. Like 
Zuko often when he gets like too angry is not able to like channel his emotions and like really stay present in the moment. He's going to like make a mistake. If he thinks this is the right headspace to take on Azula, he's got to be off his rocker. No, that's facts. You can't take on Azula in an angry state. You have to be at peace within yourself, and Zuko definitely isn't. He's exactly. still got all that inner turmoil. He's still battling with the good, the in evil, the yin and yang within him. So, yeah, I mean, Zuko's in no type position to be taken on Azula anytime soon. Yeah, and and the Daily agents here, they, like, take these, like, rock handcuffs glove things like gloves that turn into handcuffs and it's pretty funny because they like shoot him at his hands shoot him at his feet and like he's essentially playing twister uh with these cuffs like that's exactly the picture i had in my mind it was like it was like okay right hand has to go on red left foot on blue like that that type of thing looked like the position he got into <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because Ty Lee is also going to be in a twister position next to the later on in the episode when Toph captures her with earthbending. So that is true. But but Ty Lee would demolish at twister like that is oh, yeah, her 100%. comparative advantage. Yeah, Ty Lee is just like a beast of an athlete in general. But yeah, twister gymnastics. I mean, yeah, I'd bet money on Ty Lee against anybody in a game of twister. She'd be able to like stretch from like one side of the twister board to the other, like backwards with like her hands on top of her head doing crawl types of flips and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like twister is a game that no one plays anymore. What happened to twister? You always see it on TV shows. I've actually, I've never played Twister myself. I just remember okay. seeing it on TV all the time. It used to be I, such a pop culture mainstay. Yeah, I have to say, Twister's definitely not worth it. Like, that's probably why no one plays it is because, like, I guess it's it's not that fun. But like, it seems like something that, like, you know, one of my friends used to have a Twister set. Like, I've not thought about it in so long. But like, it's just it's gone. It needs to rebrand. Yeah, and the thing with the thing with Twister, it's like. In a post-COVID world, who's going to be want to be in such close proximity with everybody? You know what I mean? That is true. It's like okay, now now the next for the next part of the game, you're going to breathe in each other's faces. It's like no, <laughs> no, thank you. Exactly, exactly. Anyways, shall we get back to the avatar of it all? Uh, yeah, is that what we're doing? Uh, yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. No, this is a twist. We call this Twister in there. So <laughs> if we talk about the game Twister and how it needs to be brought back. That's what yeah. We're doing this uh, I feel like there are better games that we could talk about. If we're creating a podcast about a game, like I can come up with so many better ones. Like, yeah. Codenames. Actually, a, a, have you played Codenames? I think an avatar Codenames could be quite fun. I've never played Codenames, but if you just fill me in on it, maybe we could, maybe we, that can be a segment on the season and review show. Okay. Yeah. I can think about a way to, to play that. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. All right. That's one of my favorite board games. So I guess we'll, we'll come up with some way that we can play it on air. Nice. There we go. Hit up Davis comma. We'll see if he can help make us a structured game. I, I feel like if, if uh, we got him involved in the game, it would be like incredible. Like we could literally turn around and sell it. Uh, like, <laughs> Yeah, like the the rock paper scissors uh, like equivalent game that he created with all the graphics and he, how he created the boomerang. Like I, I think he did quite a good job. So I'd be um, I'd be honored if you would uh, help out. But. Yeah, I agree. I was on a podcast with his, I was on his What You Doing podcast with Navi and Felipe, and I thanked him for yes. <laughs> for making that game for us because that was incredible. Maybe that's another segment is that we could play that game. I know that we joked that we were going to play it uh, like during the episodes, but I would, I would, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take you in a few rounds. 
Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. I don't know how it'll work for podcasting, but if we just announce everything and how we're doing it, then maybe it'll work. Oh, I don't think it'll be great podcasting, but it'll be fun. <laughs> we'll we'll figure it. All out. right, there we go. I mean, this is a review show. We have a lot of liberties. I'm excited. I'm gonna throw. We'll throw some stuff at the wall. See what sticks. Yeah. What does it? Sounds good. Um, so they go back. Uh, we're now with Team Avatar. They're getting to the palace. Uh, they're talking about like Katara. They're like Aang saying like she's in trouble. Uh, the Earth King's like, nah, I don't think so. Uh, she's like hanging out with the Kyoshi warriors, and and we get Sokka like I don't know. Like maybe you can tell me if I'm off here. But Sokka's like, oh yeah, she's with Suki. They're just probably talking about makeup or something. Like it would that be the conversation between Suki and Katara? Like I feel like there's so much more to them. Like yes, Suki does wear a full face of makeup. Like. I don't know. I, I just thought this was like a weird line from Sokka. Yeah, it's a little sexist, honestly. Kind of like season yeah. one Sokka. A little like, oh, girls, they just, well, it's automatically assumed they'd be talking about makeup. Yeah, and Sokka's the one who in season one is wearing that full face of makeup as he like tries to take on Zuko by himself. Like, it's not that, it's not that like Sokka doesn't wear makeup. I Yeah, this just felt like an out of place line where they're just like, okay, Sokka's sexist. Like, I guess we can give him the line. Yeah, it's kind of like that Ty Lee line from a couple of episodes ago that you brought up where it's like, you're not prettier than we are. And it was yeah, just like a random that, out of place line. So I don't know. Yeah, the writers. That one I. Oh, continue. The, the, that line with Suki, I really did not like. Uh, the more I thought about it, the more like, I'm just like, that was weird. Like, it was never about being prettier. I don't know why they decided to do that. But yeah, it was weird. I mean, the writers, they're, they're, they hit or miss. 99% of the time, it's a hit. Once in a while, yep. we get the occasional miss. Yeah, they they should have used Bosco's animal instincts to tell them, like, oh, I don't know, that's kind of a sexist joke. Maybe you should stay away from it. I don't know if Bosco's animal instincts will pick up on it, (laughs) to be honest, because he doesn't pick up on anything. I was just about to bring up Bosco's animal instincts, so it's funny you mentioned it, because the Earth King is like, yeah, everything is fine, and if it wasn't, Bosco's animal instincts would sense it. Meanwhile, Azula's, like, coup is already in motion, so Bosco didn't sense Jack's s word so there you go <laughs> yeah i think that bosco is like the type of animal where if he was in the wild he definitely like would be much more powerful but you know you just you get tired with age you got you, you have the whole like palace lifestyle you know everything's coming to him so easily he, he's off his game he's not ready uh i'm not gonna put i'm not gonna blame bosco too much um it's just a product of like you know no one's no one's relied on bosco for that sort of thing yeah, that's true. Bosco's like a fat, jolly, domesticated bear. He's not <laughs> worrying about like wars and what's going on. Exactly. He's just chilling. He's just trying to get his like uh, feasts where people are like excited to sit next to the bear. That's all he needs. Yeah, facts. Um, we go to now uh, a pretty interesting scene. Uh, this will become more interesting like as it continues, but. We see Katara, who is in this like weird little like crystal catacomb type thing, uh, and one of the Dai Li agents is going to throw Zuko in the same pit that Katara is in. This becomes a really interesting scene between the two of them, and you can see already that like Katara is very angry that Zuko's even there. Like this is someone that she's been very upset with, and I think the scene that we have between the two of them is like some of the best stuff we've gotten uh, in a few episodes. Just like how good the writing is, how good the voice acting is. I'm I'm really excited for that. Yeah, she lashes out at him. And we'll get more into this is just Zuko getting thrown into it and then they cut back to some other stuff. So we'll dive more into the scene in a bit. But yeah, she really lashes out at him and just tears him a new one. 
Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we go back to team avatar. Uh, they are walking around, uh, back in their house. Um, Aang is like sensing that there is actually something going wrong. And just then Toph feels someone at the door. She recognizes who it is. She says it's an old friend of hers, uh, from earlier this season. And she sees uncle Iroh. Uncle Iroh is like, you know, rolls up to the house <laughs> and everyone else is so like shocked to see him. I just have to say, whatever Judy did not stop Uncle Iroh is going to have another trip to Lake Laogai. Like, mess up. Huge how, mistake. How would Iroh get there with captive in tow and know the, where their house is? <laughs> That's what I was wondering. <laughs> well, it's in the upper ring. Like, you have to think there's some security. Like, there's got to be one Dai Li agent that's like, actually, we can't let Uncle Iroh talk to Team Avatar. Like, that would be bad for us. Yeah, maybe he just took out every Dai Li agent on the way. I mean, he captures one because it's uh, this scene was so odd to me how they just roll roll on back outside and then there's just this Dai Li agent there just chill, chilling tied up and then Toph instantly puts more like earthbending rocks around him and then they leave him there <laughs> or with earthbend rocks around him. So that guy well, was just effed over. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. So like I, Uncle Ira brings a captive with him. But we don't even start the scene by going to the captive. Uncle Iroh goes in the house with the captive outside, standing there waiting. Like, I'm sure he's screaming for help, trying to get anyone's attention. But it doesn't matter. Uncle Iroh, like, has a full-on conversation before he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I brought a captive with me. That should be, like, the first thing you mention. Like, oh, hey, just so you know, I have a captive. I co-sign all of that. I had like almost exactly what you said in my notes. Just like, <laughs> why does Iroh have this captive here? Because honestly, I remembered pretty much this whole episode beat for beat. I just forgot the fact that Iroh just has this random evil, per- or not this evil, this random Dali agent with him. It's also the same Dali agent from earlier when Azula was giving her speech. May has a line where she's like, I thought you were going to make that guy poop his pants. That's the Dali oh, agent. Oh, man. He has the same scar on his face, so... It's the same Dai Li agent who, like, gets torn. You won by Azula, then gets captured by Iroh. So he's having, like, the worst day of a Dai Li agent ever. He might be getting sent to Lake Laogai along with the Judies. Yeah, that's that's rough. I did not realize it was the same one, but that's really unfortunate. Uh, Really unfortunate for him. Um, I I do want to point out one thing that I think goes exceptionally well in this scene. I think that Aang steps up and he shows a lot of maturity. Uh, as soon as he hears like what's going on, he assesses this, this situation. He hears from Uncle Iroh that like uh, Azula is here. She has Katara. She has Zuko. And Aang is like, great, we're going to work together and we're going to fight Azula. And I think that this is a lot of maturity to see from Aang. I feel like earlier Aang might have been like, no, like we're not going to help. We're, like He's trying to hurt us too much. Kind of the same approach that Sokka and Katara has. But I thought this was impressive. Uh, Zach, were you as impressed as I was? Yeah, I was. This is good intuition from Aang, how he's able to see that Iroh has no evil within him and to work with. It's only Sokka who really has any pushback with this. Uh, Yeah, Aang doesn't have any pushback. Yeah, I mean, if Katara was there, I think she would have been like, "Uh, no, thank you. But definitely, like, uh, it is the case that Sokka, like, gives a little bit of pushback, but at the end of the day, like Aang realizes, I think he even says as much. He says, working together is our best chance. Like we're not going to be able to do it alone. Like we got to help. Uh, and this is when uncle Iroh is like, Oh, well, just so you know, uh, working with me has some perks. I literally have a captive right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which again, it's just so shocking to me that he didn't lead with that. 
Yeah, because it's a pretty good sell. Like, it's a good reason to work with him. It's like, oh, not only do I know what's going on, but I have someone who can tell you about it as well. Like, it, it is surprising that we get to that point. You know, Uncle Ira is pretty sharp, but seems like he's dropping the ball there. Yeah, and here we also get the line from Ira. Well, Ira's talking about that. Trust me, trust him that there's good in Zuko. And then uh, we get the line that you mentioned earlier where Sokka's like, why don't you come back when the good is outside him too, which is a great line. <laughs> Oh yeah, I I also think that might have been in the last time we recorded when before you had vanished for the hundred years. So oh, oops. <laughs> anyway, I had not made the same joke, but yeah, I, I definitely I did appreciate this line. Sokka, like he's like good inside him's not enough. Why didn't you come back when it's on the outside of him? And he does like a little dance on the outside of his body. I thought that was very cute from Sokka. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I, I thought that was a very cute moment as well. Yeah. Um, they interrogate this Dai Li agent. They hear that they're in the crystal catacombs of old bossing, say, deep beneath the palace. This city has so many underground layers. Like, they have old bossing, say, they have, like, Lao Guy. Like, there's whole towns underneath bossing, say. This is incredible. Yeah, it makes sense with all the earthbenders, though, because like we look at like you, those moles were the original earthbenders. So naturally, with your bending ability that you can create whole houses underground like the hobbits, basically. Yeah, I guess that's true. I just think that any like earthbender who's in the lower ring of the city should be like, maybe I should try out being in the crystal catacombs instead of this. Like, let me go ahead and dig a little hole and see what I can do. That's true. I guess maybe there's a lack of food in the caves, though. Way okay. beneath the yeah. ground, there's like no, well, you're you gonna hunt. That that makes sense. And what would you even hunt? Crystal? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Unless that crystal's edible, like the one boom you had in way back when. <laughs> I'm not sure you'd want to eat an edible crystal, Zach. I mean, that's a boom he was eating. He was no, that is crystal. That is I mean, true, not, but I, I don't want to eat no edible crystals. Don't, don't, don't. that's not. <laughs> don't be putting those words in my mouth. I, I didn't. No, I, all, I know, I know, I know. But. All I'm saying, Zach, is if you think that Boomy is the person you want to emulate, what he eats, I would, I would be very nervous. I mean, Boomy clearly. Lettuce. He clear, yeah. He clearly eats lettuce, if you know what I mean. And he clearly eats some <laughs> edible crystal. Did, did you see him? Uh, it's impressive anyway. he's all he's all swole, considering all the, <laughs> the substances he's taking. That's true. Maybe the crystal is like actually a performance enhancing drug. Like he couldn't actually get into the Olympics because like the crystal is actually a steroid. Oh, there we go. Uh, yeah. He could compete in these bodybuilding competitions. That's one <laughs> thing you can do where they're exactly. all on every steroid under the sun. Exactly. Um, anyway, we go back to the jail where Long Fang is sitting. Uh, we have a member of the Dai Li come up and he's talking about how like everything is going to plan. They have it all mapped out. They're ready to go. Long Fang's like, great. And like, is Azula uh, cooperating? And this guy kind of slips up. He's like, yeah, she's not only cooperating, she's terrifying and inspirational at the same time. Like she's taking charge. All of these things that has to make Long Fang be like, wait, hold up. No, no, no. No, she's supposed to be like the pawn in my game. She's not supposed to be the queen. Yeah, that's true. And then Long Fang is eventually going to attempt to double cross Azula. Do you think this is the genesis of his plan to double cross her? No, this this plan had to had to have existed the whole time because ultimately having the Fire Nation have such a grasp in bossing say is bad for the stability of the city. That's what Long Fang ultimately cares about is his control within the city. 
So I would I would be shocked if he was ever going to be okay with Azula having any amount of control other than getting the Earth King out of power. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You know what? I think you're probably right. Yeah, um, it does seem like Long Fang probably like you know he didn't think through it very well. Uh, he wasn't totally prepared, but my guess is this was his plan from the start. Yeah, and it's, I mean, how could he prepare for Azula being as powerful as she is and being able to take control of the Dai Li? Honestly, I think Long Feng's plan was pretty sound, all things considered. He kind of yeah. just got unlucky at the end. Yeah, he definitely got unlucky. I mean, he's dealing with, like, a literal teenage girl who just happens to be, like, one of the most impressive women in all of, like, animated villains. Like, she is absolutely incredible. She's, like, knows every piece of the puzzle. She's so manipulative, so on top of it. Like Long Fang, when he met her, probably was like, oh, she just doesn't know what's going on. She'll be easy to control. So definitely, yeah. uh, definitely, you know, didn't get very lucky here. Long Fang really has a fall from grace. You know, he goes from being the top person in all of Ba Sing Se with so much power to being like bowing down to a literal child. Yeah, that's true. And maybe that's why he he might have judged her. Like, don't judge a book by its cover. Maybe he judged her because he's like, oh, this young girl ain't going to be able to pull a fast one on me. But exactly. little did he know she was able to do it. Yeah, she really did. Um, anyway, before we get to all of that, we go back to the Crystal Catacombs. And this is where Katara really has it out with Zuko. This is a This is a good scene. I think that this is like one of the top scenes in Avatar. Uh, and I think this is like where Katara is just like lashing out at Zuko. Uh, Zach, what from the scene really sticks out to you? Just the vitriol from Mae Whitman, Katara's voice actor. You can tr- like sense the passion oozing out of her voice when she's like, you're the Fire Lord's son. Spreading war and violence and hatred is in your blood. It's like, ooh, it just like <laughs> it really sticks with you, honestly. Yeah. And I think like even when she starts, she's like, this is the trap. Like, there's no reason to be here. Like, all you do is like hunt us down. You're trying to, I think the line that stuck with me the most is trying to capture the world's last hope for peace. But what do you care? Like, that was just such a strong line. I think like, um, you know, she really is going into him and Zuko like starting, starts to soften up a bit after she yells at him a bit. And I think that like, she really hits a breaking point when she says like the fire nation took my mother away from me. And I think that this is nice that Zuko and Katara are able to share this connection because Zuko like empathizes with her. And he says like, that's something we have in common. Obviously like the fire nation took his mom away as well, uh, which we saw earlier this season. And I think this was really, this was a great scene because you have like the Katara of it all having so much anger, which is typically associated with like the fire nation. Who's like brash and angry. And you have Zuko who's like learning to, you know, change a little bit. He's learning to adapt. He's, he's trying to try something new. Uh, and I guess he's trying to make this connection with Katara. Yeah, it's very interesting to see Zuko empathize with Katara. This is something we haven't seen Zuko done the whole series. We haven't seen him do the whole series until now, trying to see her on her level and trying to have that moment with her. And yeah, it's very powerful stuff. This whole scene, the voice acting is excellent from Dante Basco and Mae Whitman. Beautiful stuff. And the music is amazing as well. It's a great scene. Great scene, honestly. Yep. Yeah, very, very good scene here. Um, we go back to Team Avatar. They're looking for these crystal catacombs. Toph is able to find them. Toph is like a radar. I mean, she walks up and she's <laughs> like, true. okay, this is where it is. Done. 
Yeah, no, I never thought of, I never thought to describe her as a radar, but that's a great metaphor. Top is just like radar. She could just any body of like land, pretty much, or like a cave, anything like that. She could just sense instantly. Yeah, and it's so it's so lucky because without it, it would be like you know Aang digging like ten holes to try to find the right one. He's like trying to guess. And Toph is like, okay, here it is. She like creates a gigantic tunnel from the ground. Like, uh, I guess like doing most of the beginning part of the work, like Toph's a, a literal cheat code. Like I know I've mentioned this before, but dang, like she's broken. You got to nerf Toph. You got to nerf Toph. True. She'd be such a great friend to have. I feel like I just wish Toph was real and like was a homie of ours. If only. That would be that would be pretty epic. Uh, <laughs> I, I would uh, you know I would I would not mind. Uh, oh, did you see the person who is uh, affiliated with us? There is someone who is um, an Olympic windsurfer who had a uh, like who shaved his head to look like the Avatar arrow. Yeah, I did see this on Reddit. Yeah, he had like the blue arrow Avatar. Yeah, yeah, dope. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh wow, that's quite the look, you know. I would never shave my head like that, but I really like the look. I thought it was no. pretty cool. No, it was a nice cut. I did see that. As Brett was saying in uh, Big Brother, he was looking uh, pretty laid. So there we go. His <laughs> hair was looking laid. I'm I'm not sure that I would ever repeat anything that he said. Uh, that man is crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry for the niche Big Brother reference. My apologies. <laughs> oh, my. This, this season is wild. I feel like, uh, yeah. I, yeah, this Big Brother season is crazy. I would love to see Azula in this house, just like trying to manipulate people, though. Uh, yeah, we talked about that last week. It just made me think like Azula on a reality show. Maybe Gray Delil, if she's running out of money, could just play one of these shows and we'll see how she can do. Can you imagine if she did like Celebrity Big Brother 3 and each week she acts as a different one of her characters? So like week one, she has to act like Azula and then she acts like Daphne Blake from uh, from Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. Like, yeah, she's just able to go into different characters. That'd be hilarious. The week where she has to act like Vicky, she probably loses, though, because Vicky's like <laughs> batshit insane. Am I right? C- could you imagine if she had to go Azula and go power hungry and then Vicky right afterwards? And she's just like <laughs> she's like going from like crazy and manipulative to like crazy and just unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. And yeah. she wouldn't have power that week. It might be a rough time for Gray Delil in the celebrity Big Brother house. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't help if you had the gimmick that you had to play as an animated character. I definitely think that's a huge handcuff. But True, it's like the Eric Stein of it all. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's what they can do in like Big Brother 40 when they've run out of twists. It's like, all right, you have to play as an animated TV show character. <laughs> yeah. I'd watch. Why not? Yeah, I, I would eat that up. That would be like probably my favorite season. Um, <laughs> there we anyway. Go. Uh, so Sokka comes up with a plan. They're going to split up. Aang and Uncle Iroh are going to look for Katara and what he deems as the angry jerk, uh, known as Zuko. Uh, and Sokka is going to go warn the Earth King about the coup attempt with Toph. Did you think it made sense to split up here or should they have stayed together? I think it makes sense to split up, but it's a weird pairing. It's like, should Aang have gone? I, I guess not, actually. Aang, has, Aang and Iroh have to go together, and Toph and Sokka have to go It makes the most sense, if you think about it. But it's just like, it was Toph enough to protect Sokka in, if, in the case a fight breaks down. That's what I wonder. Yeah, see, see, my thought is actually, I think Toph and Uncle Iroh are the best pairing to go get Katara and Zuko. We already know that Toph and Uncle Iroh get along. 
Toph is able to earthbend because you definitely need one of the earthbenders to go down into the earth. And I think that's a good pairing. I don't think that anyone's too upset. I don't think that Toph would start to try to fight Zuko. I don't think Zuko would try to fight Toph. And I think that you get Aang, who's the avatar, going to the Earth King, which might be taken a little bit more seriously. That's true. Though the Earth King does seem to implicitly trust them weirdly enough already. Yep, that that is fair. Um, Anyway, so Aang and Uncle Iroh are walking down to the catacombs. Uh, Uncle Iroh is pretty clutch here, coming in with a fire, uh, essentially acting as his own torch as Aang is earthbending the way, acting as the drill. Uh, together between the two of them, they could have a great excavating company. I mean, they could mine <laughs> for days. <laughs> True. Just the two of them. They could be raking in millions of dollars excavating. That's fact. Exactly. Yeah. Nice little business idea. Um, but anyway, Aang actually wants some advice. Uh, you know, he wants some free therapy here. And Uncle Iroh, uh, I, I think there's actually a, there's a cute little line where Aang says, you give pretty good advice and great tea. Uncle Iroh says, the key to both is proper aging. I thought that was clever. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I like that. I, honestly, I like this is a really touching and heartfelt scene between Aang and Iroh. I enjoyed this whole thing, really. I, I, Aang explains to Iroh that he couldn't let go of someone he loves to go into the Avatar state. And this is where Iroh says, like, perfection and power are overrated. I think you did the right thing by choosing love, which is interesting. Yeah, that is uh, interesting, especially because Uncle Iroh is one of the people who understands the spiritual side of Avatar so much better than other characters. And it seems like even him, uh, he's like, you know, power is overrated. Like you should have choose the the earthly instead of the spiritual, even though Uncle Iroh seems like someone who's so well versed in the spiritual. Yeah. And Iroh also has chosen the earthly before when he was a war general trying to conquer bossing say that's when he chose the earthly but after his son died he went looked inward and became more spiritual Mm -hmm. so he ended up later in life choosing the spiritual and making that decision perfect yeah i think that is like a perfect description of like his path and i think that is like uh yeah that that's that's correct yeah um Yep. So we get back to, uh, or I guess actually one more piece of advice here. So Aang's like fretting a little bit and uncle Iroh, I think has another good, uh, little, uh, analogy here where he says like, life is like a dark tunnel. You can't always see the light at the end of the tunnel, but if you just keep moving, you'll come to a better place. Uh, and obviously at the same time, it's right as like Aang earth bends the last rock and it like opens up to a nice clearing. Uh, but, but I thought this was also good advice from uncle Iroh. Yeah, I guess. But then he doesn't really give an answer here. He's just like, well, sometimes life is like this dark tunnel. You get your answer later. Basically, is what is the advice I got from him. Yeah, I don't yeah know. but like, what, what do you want Uncle Ira to say? Like, oh, yeah, you're going to kick Azula's ass. Like, don't even worry about it. You're good, man. Like, don't even try. You're actually fine. Yeah, that's what that is what I wanted to say. I wanted to be like, you're going <laughs> to kick Azula's ass. And I want you. I want him to say ass in the children's show. That's okay. Well, then you're asking for quite a lot. I mean, I think you're asking. Yeah, essentially, like, I, I think that Uncle Iroh knows enough to know when he doesn't know something. And I think that's important to mention. But I still think he gives good advice here. No, that's um, true. That's true. I'm just making fun. I think you're right. It's yeah. not the worst advice in the world. So so now we're going to get like sort of a montage. Uh, we're going to see Toph and Sokka. They're going to go up to the palace stairs. They're going to catch one of the generals, and they're going to see one of the generals get knocked out by the Dai Li agents uh, that arrests him. So they're going to try to go run. Uh, but as we see, like, 
uh, yeah, they're they're going to show up a bit too late. So Sokka rolls up in time. The Earth King's like, what are you talking about? Uh, and we see that instead of Tai Lee, or instead of the uh, Kyoshi Warriors, we actually have Tai Lee and May. And I think the way that this is revealed is kind of cute. Uh, tai Lee's like pretty into Sokka here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really into Sokka, I would say. <laughs> really into Sokka, yeah. She's flirting with him. She's like, hey, cutie, how you doing? Yeah, yes. Uh, like walks up to him's face and is like right in front of him. So Azula has like prepped everything so well. Did Azula not tell Ty Lee, like, hey, by the way, like, you can't flirt with him. I know you like him, but you can't flirt with him. You got to let him just, like, dig his own grave here. Maybe Ty Lee was like, I'll capture him, but I want you to let me flirt with him. And Azula just conceded. <laughs> Azula's like, fine. You can capture him with your eyes closed. As long as you capture him, that's okay. okay. Yeah, Az- I- Azula's like, she doesn't care if she if the flirting happens or not. She's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that, that seems like a fair trade. Uh, that seems, like, about right. Um, but then, so Sokka even is like, uh, I'm kind of involved with Suki, uh, saying this to, uh, ostensibly another Kyoshi warrior. And I think it's so funny that Tylee's like, who? Like she couldn't even pretend <laughs> to lie here. Um, but thank goodness they're, they're able to like knock them out quite easily. Um, yeah, they're, they're not like, even though they gave away like a lot of the, the element of surprise, they're still able to get the dub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Toph's able to realize these are not the Kyoshi warriors, and she's able to shoot an earthbending blast right at Ty Lee. And Ty Lee maintains her footing. She t- eats an earthbending blast to the face and like is able to land on her own two feet on like a perch above. So shout out Ty Lee and her inhuman athleticism once again. Yeah, that is pretty impressive. We also see May like send some daggers uh, at Toph. And Toph just like put some rocks in front of them, which is like the ultimate, like the ultimate block. Like that's such good defense. <laughs> like your daggers do nothing, um, which I thought was great. And then yeah, like, so, so good to you. Oh, uh, yeah. So then like uh, Ty Lee is like trying to run after Sokka and she's doing that thing where she's trying to like hit the different pressure points on someone to make them go limp. But uh, Sokka is able to dodge and weave. Like he kind of is like floating like a butterfly here, getting out of the way. <laughs> and Ty Lee's like, "Oh, we're dancing. That's so fun." And I thought that was just that was very cute. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that with Ty Lee. No, I agree. It was cute, and that's a good point. He is floating like a butterfly. Too bad he couldn't sting like a bee. Sadly, not Instead, at all. He gets stung. Yeah, he doesn't even like swing once. Uh, he doesn't try anything here. He's he's only floating like a butterfly. Do you if think? Oh, go on. If you're Sokka's boxing trainer, what would what what would your advice be to him in this fight against Ty Lee? Um, I think I think yeah. If if I'm Sokka's Sokka's boxing trainer, I'm gonna say, look, buddy, you're not gonna win this fight. You just need to last long enough that Toph can win it for you. That's <laughs> that's my advice. So I'm gonna say, keep floating. Don't even try to sing. Just keep floating. That's my advice. There we go. Then what were you gonna say? I was going to say, do you think that Tylee missed on purpose so that she gets to dance with Sokka for a little bit? I think so. Yeah, I do okay. think that, actually. I think she well, she <laughs> wants to continue the flirting for as long as possible. Exactly. Like, what is her incentive to stop this earlier? Like, she knows that Azula will step in if things get out of hand. Like, yeah. Yeah. Azula does anyway. end up stepping in because what happens is she strolls up and puts a fire bending finger to the Earth King's throat like a gun, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, she like that was so brutal. She not only is like the fight's done, get everyone out of here. Like I've won. Like that was just so brutal the way that <laughs> That's she such a concise description. But you're right. <laughs> I mean, the way that she just like absolutely just ends the fight so quickly. 
uh, was very impressive. She like sends them all away. So now like all of them are going to jail. Uh, and then Long Fang walks in and this is where Long Fang says, okay, I'm double crossing you. And I have to say, announcing that you're double crossing someone is not the best move. Just do it and then explain it to them later. This is like classic animated antagonist stuff where it's like, now here's the part where I double cross you. It's kind of cliche and generic in my opinion, but it is funny because Long Fang attempts to double cross Azula, but his coup will fail. And Azula gives such a like raw, powerful speech here. And I felt like we couldn't do it justice talking about it. So I clipped it once again. This is the first time I'm actually clipping Azula. I usually only clip Iroh. So I have to say... I was a little bit surprised that we were not clipping Iroh earlier in the episode. I, I had a little bet in, with myself in my head, uh, and I, I gave the probability that you clipped that speech between Aang and Iroh, but uh, I actually think that I think you made the right call. I think this Azula speech is harder to summarize, so I'm excited to to hear it again here. So let's uh, let's get that. Yeah, started. I agree because it's the, it's very nuanced in my opinion. So I, I want to yep. like listen to it. So yeah, no, that's that's fair. I'll click play right now. I can see your whole history in your eyes. You were born with nothing, so you've had to struggle and connive and claw your way to power. But true power, the divine right to rule, is something you're born with. The fact is, they don't know which one of us is going to be sitting on that throne and which one is going to be bowing down. But I know, and you know. Well... You've beaten me at my own game. Yeah, so to set the stage here, the Dai Li are a little ambivalent on where which side to choose. So they're, they they don't react instantly to Long Fang saying, well, here's a time where I double cross you. And then Azula gives this speech of like, well, they're waiting for one of us to go on the throne, but little do you know, it's me and not you. And it's just such a powerful raw thing. And it's like, damn, what a baller move from Azula to be able to wretch the, the, the Dai Li from Long Fang's hands. It's just beautiful stuff. And to see her plan and culminate and end. It was just amazing. Yeah, and she does this with no fighting at all. This is done with words alone. Like, she literally says, uh, like, I know and you know, and then sits on the throne. Like, that's all she needs. And Long Feng's like, all right, you're right. Like, I, I lost this fight. Like, that is shocking that it never came to a single blow. He didn't try to get a sneak attack. All it took was Azula saying that she won for Long Feng to recognize that she had and she pegs him so correctly. Like she knows everything that he's had. He's able to see exactly his path. He, uh, she understands his motivations. Like Azula here really does break down piece by piece why she's going to win. Uh, but Zach, I have to say, you left out one of the best parts of the speech. I is did when- by accident. I I clipped it incorrectly. That's my apologies. Where yeah, you here you say the line because it's a really so, it is the best part of the speech. You're right. So Long Fang says like you've beaten me at my own game, and Azula, Azula just responds as brutal as possible and says, "Don't flatter yourself. You were never even a player." Uh yes, I loved it. That was such a good moment. It was amazing. Honestly, this whole scene, I had I had the chills a little bit. I was like, damn, man, Azula yeah. just, I love when like the evil person comes to power temporarily. I think I'm just the type of guy, I just root for antagonists in a lot of things. Like I remember there was a basketball player named Zion Williamson who said when he watched Marvel, he was rooting for Thanos. And I'm kind of like that. When I watch, when there's a good antagonist, I want to see them succeed temporarily even. 
as long as they do succeed once, I'm like, okay, I don't want to see them just like get destroyed by the protagonist instantly, which happens sometimes in a lot of animated sit- in, uh, shows. So. Yeah, that's definitely true. You know, I don't really like when it's like, oh, the good guy's going to win every time because it's a good person and the bad person's going to be gone forever. And it's like, mm. great. Like, all right. Like, why am I even watching this? Like, I knew it was going to happen. Um, but I have to say, I, I usually root for the good guy, even though I, I like, I don't know. Part of me wants them to win. Part of me doesn't want them to win. I feel like uh, here, I don't mind it. Here, I want Azula to win. I want her to take the <laughs> throne. I'm, I'm here for it. I really loved it. Exactly. No, I am too. And like I said, it was just an amazing speech by Azula here. Just classic stuff, honestly. Very raw, powerful speech. Very true. Um, We get back to another thing that I think is really a lot of emotion here between Katara and Zuko. Katara's talking about, uh, she's like softening up a bit. She's saying she's sorry. She's talking about how when she imagined the face of the enemy, it was your face. Uh, Zuko takes that to mean like not only it was his face, but it was also part of his scar. Uh, and Katara like is saying like no that's not what he meant but like he he says something really I think I think really important about his scar and like how it gave him part of his identity uh, like yeah Zach what was your takeaway from this speech that Zuko gives here Yeah it's amazing it's like uh, he says I used to think this scar marked me but lately I real I've realized I'm free to determine my own destiny and yeah it's just beautiful stuff from Zuko I genuinely thought about clipping this as well but I was like ah oh, these two scenes are so good and they're both back yeah. to back so I was like oh, I have to clip one and I I wanted to clip this as well <laughs> between Katara and Zuko but it's yeah. also Katara goes from just like yelling at Zuko to like offering him spirit water within a short period of time so (laughs) you know what i mean it it, it doesn't take much for her to flip here which is surprising that that is quite the quite the 180 i guess this family's just super compelling like they must just be so charismatic you know zuko's able to get katara to offer her spirit water like azula's literally taking down governments like this family must just like have the pheromones that are just like addictive. People are like, yes, but I'm, whatever you want, I will do it. Uh, that's that's quite the superpower. That's probably better than firebending even. Yes. And then Jacob, now here's the time where I want to talk about Zutara. So Zuka and yes, Zutara. Yes, yes. Do you, do you think this the writers were intending for this to be a love triangle that's what i think one of the questions sarah asked in the so yeah what do you what do you think on this whole thing yeah so so maybe this is a good time to pull in one of sarah's questions yeah, so yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll read it here and then I'll, I'll give my answer so she said last episode established the intense love ang had for katara this episode is the one that zutara shippers point to when they talk about their chemistry do you think the showrunners were setting up a love triangle or they never really considered it how do you think Katara and Zuko would have been as a couple? And where are you in the Zutara and Katang battle? So I don't really think that this is like super like explicitly love. Uh, but I have to say Katara does run his hand like on Zuko's face. It's at least it's at least like uh, if not that I do think that they are like making some sort of tension here between them. Uh, I think like probably the showrunners had some idea that Zuko was going to enter the fray and like there, there could be like this connection between them, whether it's love or like a strong bond over like the loss they've shared. I'm not super sure, but I don't think that Katara and Zuko would have been a bad couple. Uh, Zach, where are you on this debate? Yeah, I just think like, would they have been a good couple or a bad couple? I don't know. But I think from the beginning, the writers were setting up, it's going to be Aang and Katara. That's what the, I think that I don't think there was any deviation from that at all. And I don't think this scene was put here to implicate 
that Zuko and Katara would ever be a couple. I think it is an yeah. intimate moment they share. It is a bond. They have this emotional bond with this shared trauma. They have both of them having lost their mothers to the Fire Nation. And yes, she does like, sure, caress her hand across his face. But I did not think this was the most romantic moment. And yeah, I think this is the only scene we see of the two of them. And I'm shocked that a ship has come of just this one small moment that a whole relationship like theory has spawned from it. So I would want to see what the creators, Michael Dante DiMartino and uh, Brian Konietzko, I want to see like, do they have an interview talking about Zuko and Katara? Maybe we'll talk about that in our season two retrospective. But I have a feeling that they planned on Katara and Aang from the get go. And that's it. No, they they definitely planned on it from the get go, and like even at the end of this, uh, even at the end of this episode, we have like another flashback to the reason why uh, Katara and Aang are going to end up together. Like from the moment that Aang exits the iceberg, like the first thing he sees is Katara's face. After she heals him with the spirit water, the first thing Aang sees is Katara's face. Like as he's going into the Avatar state, the last thing he's thinking about is Katara's face. Like clearly this is a connection that Aang and Katara have, or at least Aang has towards Katara. We don't even really see it that much going the other way. I I will say like they have this emotional connection, Katara and Zuko. I ultimately think Katara and Aang are probably better for each other, but I would not be too upset if it was Zutara and Aang decided that you know, he's the avatar. He has a love for the world. He doesn't want to have this like earthly connection. And instead it is like Katara and Zuko that learn to love each other as they continue on. I wouldn't be upset about it. I, I wouldn't mind it. That, that's what I'll say. I would not mind a Zutara ship. Yeah, I don't know. I don't mind it either. I mean, if they did it, then it would be whatever. I think it would be interesting to see Aang go down that like spiritual rabbit hole of like, I'm not going to have any wife or lover. So it would be interesting and then Zook, to see Zuko and Katara together. I just don't know if that's what the writers ever intended or like was that. Yeah. In, so, but yeah, that, that's my thoughts on the Zutara of it all. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. Um, we also had Victor uh, mention in his feedback. Uh, he says <laughs> that in the HBO version of this, uh, Zutara might get pregnant on this episode. <laughs> uh, you know, I think in the HBO version, they're all like 24, 25 and like, Maybe they do like do a lot more than a gentle caress of the face. Uh, we can leave it at that. I bet in the HBO version, it's like Aang and Katara were already a thing, and then Katara like cheats on Aang with Zuko. I bet or something. Oh man, so much it's gonna drama. be. That's what the Netflix series is gonna be. It's gonna be some shit like that. Part of my language. <laughs> part of my language, but I'm not just like the fact that they kicked off the creators of the Netflix series. I just do not have my hopes up. Uh, yeah, no, that's that is fair. Um, so Katara is like getting ready to use this water to heal Zuko, uh, like getting really like about to do it. And just as she's about to heal his face, uh, Aang just busts through the wall and he's like showing up. Katara's like, Oh, Hey, Aang, I knew you'd be here. Um, and then they have like, you know, a little bit of bickering back and forth. I don't have a ton to say about this, but, um, you know, Zuko's like a little bit upset that Aang is there and, and Aang's like, I'm saving you. Like, what do you want from me? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't have a ton of stuff to say here. Zach, did you have much? Yeah, when I when so Iroh tells Aang and, and uh, Katara, just go on ahead. He'll talk yeah. to Zuko. This is that's what I want to get into. So I'll skip it. Yes, because yes. then it's no. like, yeah, th- th- this part is worth talking about. Uh, yeah, what were you gonna yeah. say? 
Yeah, so I'm just going to be like, Iroh is explaining to Zuko that he's stronger, wiser, and freer than he's ever been, and that he's come to cross his crossroads of destiny, titles of the epi- title of the episode, and that it's time for him to choose good at this crossroad and not evil. And then the evil will stroll on in because Azula just walks in and shows up and captures Iroh. So there we go. Yeah, and, and like earlier in the season, we had seen that Iroh was the voice of good on his shoulder and Azula was the voice of bad in the form of the red and blue dragon. And here again, we have that choice where Zuko gets to decide between good and bad. And ultimately, the fact that the episode title comes from Uncle Iroh about Zuko and not about Aang trying to like take on the Avatar state is super interesting. I think like the story of Avatar, um, like at least for some parts, like, you know, from Zuko alone till now is kind of the story of Zuko. Like, Aang doesn't have a ton of development here. I think Zuko is the one who develops a lot. And I think going into season three, like the kind of heel turn we see from Zuko, Zuko's character is the one that develops. Like he's the one who has the most change. Yes, Aang matures, but Zuko really does grow into a new person. And I think it's really cool that we see like, you know, the season finale name comes from Iroh about Zuko and not what you would expect about uh, it being about Aang. Yeah, Zuko, it does function as like a secondary protagonist throughout the whole series. And then the thing is, you're you're absolutely right. He doesn't have, Aang doesn't have the growth the way Zuko does. But from the beginning to the finale, Aang grows a little bit, like he matures and like becomes more of a leader of sorts. But Zuko's the one who has like the true growth arc. Yes, that is that is definitely true. Um, but before he's able to grow, he has that little devil on his shoulder trying to pull him back in. Um, after Uncle Iroh tells him that it's time to choose good, Azula comes in and says, like, look, treachery from Uncle makes sense, but you are Prince Zuko. You're not a traitor, are you? And this sort of, like, questioning him a little bit, uh, like, constantly trying to tell him, like, look, you can get what you want, um, really is just great manipulation. Azula goes through. She says, like, look, you can redeem yourself. Uh, you should decide at the end of the day, like you can get everything you want. We will win together. And all of this is just digging into Zuko. You know, Zuko has so much turmoil here. Um, but Azula just does, has a masterclass manipulation. Yeah, she's really digging at his psyche. And honestly, she makes a very compelling case to Zuko. She's tugging on the strings that she knows will set Zuko off. She brings up his honor, which was such a theme in season one. My honor, my honor. Oh my <laughs> That's what we heard that line so much in season one. And then his father's love, something that he's craved and wanted. That's his whole, the whole reason he was pursuing Aang was to get back the love that he so craved from his father, something that he sadly never will receive. And then Iroh's pleading with Zuko that the kind of redemption Azula offers is not for him. So it's a very interesting way where we're seeing like the devil and the angel on his shoulder, like battling in real life. Like the, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's pretty interesting that Azula keeps like talking about like, look, you you can choose. It's up to you. Like she keeps putting the choice on him. And I think that's really interesting because ultimately like Zuko is going to side with her in this episode. And it is just like, it, yeah, like, you know, so many times Azula is laying down the law. She's saying, this is what's going to happen. Earlier with Long Fang, we saw, like, you're going to bow down to me because you're going to bow down to me. Like, it was, there was no choice there. Here, there's a choice, um, but that choice even, like, trapped Zuko even more than if she just said, like, hey, you have to do this. Yeah, no, that's a very precise explanation. I agree wholeheartedly, honestly. Yeah. 
Um, but then we get to uh, like quite an incredible fight here. So we're in the Crystal Catacombs uh, under the city of Bossing Say. This is a cool uh, setting for a fight because there's a lot of flat land, but then there's so many pillars and like different rock formations and little things on the outside that they're able to fight with. Uh, there's a river in the middle that Qatar is able to use for water. It really is the ideal setup for the fight. This nice little cavern. Lots of space, but lots of intricate little areas that they can go into to fight. Yeah, if they ever release the Avatar fighting game, then I hope the Crystal Catacombs is one of the stages because it's a beautiful locale for them to be fighting at. Yes, that is definitely true. Uh, I I have to imagine it would be. Um, That would be up there with like one of the places for the Agni Kai or like other other things you can think of. But yeah, this, this would definitely be one of the stages. That's a good call. Um, but yeah, so this is, this is a really cool fight. Um, yeah, maybe Zach, what, what are the highlights of the fight for you? Well, I have like the whole fight written down X to Z, but when, one of my favorite parts is like later on in the fight where we have, uh, uh, Azula rushing at Aang with like the rocket propellers, and then Aang covering himself in crystals and rushing at him. And then uh, while that's going on, you have, uh, Zuko with the fire whips and, uh, Katara with the water whips going back and forth. I think this fight has so many highs and very little lows. Yeah, it is cool to see how the different elements are used the same way. So like a lot of fire whips met with a lot of water whips, uh, a lot of like fire blasts met with a lot of rock blasts. It is, it's cool to see that. Zach, I've got to go back, though. Uh, you said you had the fight from X to Z. Yeah, I is meant that- A to Z. I meant, a- I meant oh. the fight A to Z in my notes. I just I made like, a mistake. I know. I, I said like, X to you- Z. I just had a brain. I'm having multiple brain thoughts. <laughs> but that was just, as soon as I said it, I was like, ah, F word. What the hell am I saying out here? So about that. See, F word is not one of the words that you had uh, the fight down to because I was thinking to myself, there's no way that's the expression. Like X to Z, that's three of the 26 letters. Like, that means he barely has right. notes. You're 100% right. That means I would have no notes at all. Like, <laughs> like you're just you're just admitting like, oh, no, I didn't have really good notes. I only had an X to Z. I feel like that'd be hilarious because like you might be able to get away with it and people be like, oh, yeah, that's just an expression. But really, it means that you didn't do your job. Oh, that's true. Yeah, there's also like, so that phrase in business where you're like in the black, I used to always say in the green for some reason. I always assumed it was green. So that was another common phrase that I just got wrong all the time. So there we go. I feel like in the green has the same meaning. X to Z does not mean the same thing as A to Z. It does not mean the same thing. <laughs> no, I agree. Opposites. I agree. I just, I'm, I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. I agree right. more. Don't okay. All right. And then, so before the fight, so what happens is Azula chases down Aang and Katara and starts to fight them 1v2 before Zuko shows up. And then he initially, Zuko shows up and like shoots a blast at Azula, but then starts targeting fireballs at Aang. And we see that shift where he's like, okay, he's, he decides to side with Azula. Yeah, it is interesting. Like he does send kind of a half-hearted blast at Azula. Azula like glares at him a little bit and then he redirects it back at Aang and like Aang's yes. really surprised here. It's very odd. This this was strange to me that he would come out, he'd shoot one blast at Azula and be, he'd be like, mm, "Never mind, I actually I'm on the other side." Yeah, I agree. But maybe that's the thing with Zuko. It's like he has such turmoil. He doesn't even after the fight is over. He's like, oh, I turned on uncle. I don't I don't know. Azula has to yeah. almost provide words of reassurance. So even in this moment, he's still indecisive. 
No, that that is very true. And I think that you can kind of tell that he is battling this indecision because he is so angry as he's throwing these fire blasts. Like he's not just sending fire blasts. He's like pounding and pounding Aang, like just sending more and more at him as much as he can. Uh, yeah, like definitely anger is the primary operator here for Zuko. Yeah, and if he's going to improve as a firebender, then angry can't be the primary operator. He's got to be Correct. better than that. Correct. That is definitely true. Uh, meanwhile, we get a little break in the fight to see uh, Toph and all the rest of the people in prison. Uh, they're all chilling in like these different um, in like these like a, a cell, a metal cell, uh, and Toph is able to just like make quick work of this. She's able to like crumple the door, throw it like five times across the wall, and leave. Um, pr- pretty badass here uh, from Toph. It is badass, but how no Dali agents? Excuse me, how no Dali agents hear that? <laughs> like, how, how come That's... nobody rolled up on them while they were escaping? That was like the easiest prison escape ever. No, that that's a good point. Uh, definitely. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. Then, so we see a few more cool things. One thing I thought was like worth mentioning is Aang like sends an air current back at Zuko. That's like human shaped and it like knocks Zuko back. It's like he sent himself over there, Adam. Yeah. Uh, he sends like this airbending cool. silhouette oh, yeah. of himself at him. No, it was yeah. really cool. I agree with you. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so they're, they're fighting like quite a bit. I think that like the main thing that I think is important to get is how angry Zuko is. Like he seems so at peace earlier in the episode and here after he's made his decision, he's way more mad. Like usually I would go the other way. Like as I'm deciding, I have so much turmoil. And once I've decided I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm all good. But here's Zuko, I think like feels that, that sinking pit in his feeling or in his gut where he knows like, He's feeling that something's off, even though he's decided. I think deep down, to, to add on to what you're saying, I think deep down he yep. knows he makes the wrong decision here. Yes. And he'll eventually right that wrong by the end of season three. But deep down, he knows he made the absolute worst mistake by siding with Azula. Especially because Azula's just going to like pin it on him at the beginning of season three and be like, <laughs> well, the, av- the Avatar's alive. It's on you. So there you go. So <laughs> Azula just used him as a pawn, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Uh, not great there. Yeah. But what could you expect? Um, yeah, yeah, so I while, think, they're, while they're fighting, oh, oh sorry, oh, I think another thing that, that's worth mentioning is like Katara sends a wave at Azula and it gets so close to Azula's face, it like cuts her hair. Uh, and I think that's so cool to see because, like, obviously she's using water to throw at Azula, uh, but the fact that it can cut hair just shows how powerful it is. I was just about to mention that and I'm glad you did. It's crazy how Katara is going mano y mano with Azula and she shoots a a wave so close, like razor close at Azula that it takes off her hair. That's insane to me. She almost got one on Azula. Yeah. And the other thing that she does is she starts sending like these little water tentacle arms, I guess is the way I describe it at Azula. Mm -hmm. And she's like able to get Azula's hand and then Azula's leg essentially about to make her play twister uh, before (laughs) Zuko steps in uses fire bending to like break the connection between the water on each side, which gives Azula time. Uh, but without it, I think Azula was like about to get beaten by Katara even. I, I agree. I agree. I have that in my notes. Katara was about to win this fight until Zuko stepped in. Because what ends up happening is Aang comes off like the ceiling. He falls a large, he falls off this like large stalagmite into the ground and he knocks Zuko back. But as weird as it is, like Aang took like the more, Aang took like more damage from this than Zuko. Cause then Zuko and uh, Azula are able to like fight Katara 1v2 for a bit. It, do you do you know if it's a stalagmite? 
Uh, it was like bigger than a stalagmite, but I don't know, or like a oh, rock sure. off the ceiling. Well, do you know which one is on the ground and which one's in the air? Stalagmite and stalactite are those the two? Yeah, I, I don't know which one's which. I used to remember this, but now I've forgotten. I think the stalactites are the one in, on on the air. Okay, I know so there's like there's something that like is some way you're supposed to remember it, but uh, I couldn't. Okay, yeah, stalactites are the ones on the like the top of the ceiling going to the bottom and so like mites are the one on the bottom going to the top. Okay. So yeah, my apologies. Shout out any rock enthusiast who were <laughs> rushing at their phones to correct me, but luckily Jacob's here to set me straight. Oh, okay. Here's, here's what it is. Okay. Stalagmites, you might trip over them. Stalagmites are tight to the ceiling. <laughs> you know what? That's actually not helpful because stalag—if <laughs> it was the other way, it would be like stalagmites might fall down, and stalactites are tight to the ground. Like that's not helpful at all. True, and yours rhyme too. Nice. That's like a little bar. Exactly. Well, you know, I do what I can. Um, anyway, <laughs> you're no Brittany from Big Brother. <laughs> oh Lord, no. I I don't have energy to talk about that awful. Rhyme. Oh yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Let's continue. I, you know what, Zach? I would talk about anything else from this Big Brother season, but that rap was just, it, it took too much energy out of me. I just. Uh, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, anyway, we go back. Uh, we see Toph. Uh, they enter the throne room for the Earth King. Um, the Earth King really wants his bear, it's really important to him. Um, and as we go in, we see Ty Lee trying to teach the bear how to walk on his hands. Uh, and then is like, no, it's easy. You all you have to do is this. Like, what? I, I don't get. I don't get this. Like, I get she was in the circus, but like, I don't know. Uh, Ty Lee needs some more friends. This is a weird break from the fight to just show Ty Lee teaching Bosco how to walk on his <laughs> hands. It's like yes. you're in like this intense fight, one of the best fights of the series up to this point, and then we just cut to like, like <laughs> Ty Lee trying to teach Bosco how to hand walk, and then yeah. top earth bends and traps her hands and feet. This is what I'm saying. It's like a twisted position. She's almost like in the bridge. I think it's what mm-hmm. the position is called. It's like the stretch where you have your hands and feet on the ground like that. So. Oh yeah, I used to do that in like race in my backyard. And I was always very bad at it, but I was always like trying to do the bridge. It was quite fun. <laughs> um, nice. But but then like uh, as Toph is like ready to take out May, May's just like, look, just take the bear. Like don't even fight, don't even fight. Like uh, you can have it. Like Bosco's yours. Did you like this classic May yes. moment? I I love this moment. May's just like whatever, just take the bear. Like <laughs> uh, great. No, I love how she just didn't care at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then we go back to the, the scene here. Uh, this is when the fight really like kind of takes a turn. Um, we see Zuko and Azula are both fighting Katara. Katara is like really doing quite well, even though she's fighting both of them. Um, and like Aang's trying to get there. However, a bunch of like the people, the Dai Li agents are all like running down. And as the Dai Li agents are getting around, they're like, gathering around Katara, forming a circle around her. There's probably like 40 more in a formation, but behind Zuko and Azula, Katara is like ready to fight them off. But it's clear that like this water octopus thing that she is working on is not going to be able to defend herself. Uh, And Aang is able to realize that the only way that he can win this fight is to let Katara go. Uh, What did you think about this twist to the fight that we got? 
Yeah, it's interesting. And it's like, it's cool that he has to let her go both figuratively and literally. He has to let her go spiritually. And he also let her go in the moment. He can't like rush and save her because they're thoroughly outnumbered. So he tells Katara sorry, and he starts to meditate to open his final chakra and get the cosmic energy into him. But I still think is a weird emotional attachment and cosmic energy. Those those are not those are not like the two opposites of each other, but whatever. (laughs) <laughs> nope, that was so odd, but hey, what can we do here? <laughs> what can we um, do here, exactly? Yeah, but he, he's in this like uh, crystal little like hut that he's created for himself. He goes into the Avatar state. Everything starts glowing. We see he has this like connection with that weird like big uh, Aang that was like in the spirit world that was yeah, holding the, like, him earlier. Yeah, the purple Aang. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the purple Aang's like holding him. We see Aang like going into the Avatar state proper. Uh, and then a bolt of lightning strikes him. And as it does, we see the lightning flash in his eyes. Uh, and then we see Azula standing there smiling with the most menacing smile I've seen as she's just like, uh, as her fingers are like the smoking gun that shot him. What was your initial reaction to this on your first watch? Because I was not expecting this. I was fully expecting to, to it to be a season one redux and like Aang goes into the Avatar state, takes out everybody, takes out Azula and Zuko. But instead, as he's slowly ascending, Azula shoots him with this like pinpoint blast of lightning causing him when then we see like the purple ang fall down it like severs his ties to the spiritual really sets the stage for season three and this was like a crazy moment the first time i watched this i was like damn my bad like they're really (laughs) they're really doing it yeah i was i was very surprised uh i was like quite shocked actually to see that like you know ang is like about to go into the avatar state he's about to take everyone out like you have to assume he's gonna win you know it's the season finale but no like She's just standing there and the way that she's standing smiling is just like so brutal. Like it really is just heartless. It is everything we know Azula's character to be. And this was so surprising when I saw it the first time, like it was a literal like jaw goes to the floor type moment where I was like, what? Like, is he dead? Like what just happened here? Like really, truly uh, surprised. And I think this is exactly what we see Katara's reaction is as well. Um, Like she's, she's surprised. She like starts crying but luckily she does not just like stand idly by. She creates like a gigantic tsunami, knocks down every Daily agent and Zuko. Uh, and she gets Aang's like limp corpse um, and is able to like, uh, like pick him up. Um, th- this was like very, very good presence of mind by Katara. I feel like if I was in this moment, I would just be like, well, that sucks. Uh, I give up. Yeah, she's able to catch the unconscious Aang, and then Iroh rolls on in and tells her to leave while he holds off Zuko, Azula, and the Dai Li. And yeah, this would this just when this, when I first saw this moment, man, this is the this is the moment in the episode that really bumps it to a four for me. Prior to this, it was like eh, three point seven, three point eight, but then this when the lightning hits Aang, that's when I'm like, damn, that's a four for me. Yeah. I mean, it is it is a fantastic episode. Like, this is a great episode of Avatar. I like how they don't have the exact same, like, plot as season one. Like, they, they hit us with the same sort of setup. Like, oh, Aang's about to go wreck everyone. But no, instead, we get, like, quite a surprise. Um, and instead, like, yeah, we are going to get to deal with the ramifications of this at the start of season three. Um, but, yeah, so then we see, like, Iroh after um, Aang and Katara get out of the way. Uh, Iroh like kind of gives up. He gets captured. 
then we see like everyone is going to go away, like uh, off on Appa's back. So Appa is with uh, literally he's carrying an actual bear uh, that which has to be very heavy for him. Um, the Earth King, Toph, Sokka, Katara, and Aang all on his back. Um, and then we see like Aang heal, uh, or sorry, Katara heal Aang's body using this spirit water. Um, yeah. Was, was Bosco on Appa? I didn't see him there. I don't Yes. Know. Yes. He was Bosco. I, I, I saw Bosco on Appa and I was like, that's like quite a lot of, quite a lot of animal to put on Appa's back. True. Rip Appa. Yeah. Um, but then, so like Katara is able to like use the spirit water, save Aang Aang, uh, he like has a glowing tattoo. Uh, he's able to come to a little bit and look at Katara's face and smile a bit. Um, yeah, this this is where we leave that group, um, like for I guess uh, the the rest of the season. And this is like a crazy place to leave, um, like in a children's show. Your protagonist. Yeah, that's true. There are very few shows where you see the protagonist take this big an L. Uh, in a season yes, finale. Yes. You know what I mean? Sorry, sorry that to is... word that in a weird way, but you know what I mean. No, no, no. You're completely right. Like, uh, you know, sometimes your protagonist would like take an L in the episode before or whatever, but yeah, like takes a huge L um, like in the finale. It's like, it is quite surprising. Yeah. Yeah. And then we cut to Zuko and he's having reservations about what he did. And he's saying, well, will his father even restore his honor? But then Azula reassures him that today he has restored his own honor. So Zuko in the moment, he's just getting Azula giving him a little pep talk. Yep. And we end with the Earth King saying that the Earth Kingdom has fallen. And again, we end on a bad note. Uh, I really do think this happens most of the time. Yeah, you're right. The episodes do usually do end yeah. on a bad note, which is surprising. I, I didn't know. I didn't like really notice that until this rewatch of Avatar. I know. I, watching the episodes one at a time, you realize much more often that they're leaving off on that like, oh, oh, uh oh, like tragedy just struck note instead of like leaving off on the happy, peaceful ending. Yeah. Also, did you know the Earth King was voiced by Phil Lamar? Of uh, Hermes Conrad and uh, a lot of other famous Samurai oh. Jack. Yeah, I didn't no, know that. David Scama Will. Will told me on the Phineas of Her podcast. He told me. Very <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, that was cool. Phil Lamar, very accomplished voice actor with the very line nice. to close out the episode, The Earth Kingdom Has Fallen. And yeah, yeah, that's it for The Crossroads of Destiny. What are your closing thoughts, Jacob? The, the great episode. Uh, this is this is a great episode of Avatar. Uh, there are so many things that are going right in this episode, uh, and I do think that this is like, you know, an episode that is is hard to beat. Um, I think that this is like a premiere episode of Avatar. What are no, your thoughts, I, Zach? Yeah, I agree completely. This is has like everything I want. It has like an amazing fight, an amazing story, so many moments. We have great Iro moments with Iro and Aang and Iro and Zuko. We have the great speech Azula gives to the Dai Li and Long Fang. We have all these this amazing fight between Katara, Aang, Zuko, and Azula. We have everything I could want in an Avatar episode in this episode. So I loved yeah. it. I'm, so, so you already spoiled your ranking. Let's get into the episode rankings. Yes. Uh, you said it a little bit earlier, uh, but let's let's get that. into the episode rankings. Every week, we rank the episodes between zero and four cabbages. Uh, as always, you can write in with your rankings to avatar at postsharecaps.com or tweet us at postsharecaps or get in touch with us any other way, and we will include your rankings. We'll take my ranking, Zach ranking, and the listeners' ranking to get the official ang in their score. 
Zach, you're starting us off with a 4.0. Why does Crossroads of Destiny deserve that 4.0 from you? Because it just has every single thing you want in an Avatar episode. It's got great antagonism from Azula. It's got this decisive battle between two opposing forces. You have all the the coup that Azula and the move that Azula pulls off. We have like Azula's rise to power. Zuko having to make this decision of whether to side with good or side with evil. You have it all basically in this episode. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, this episode does a ton right, um, you know, and I think this is like a great episode of Avatar. I ultimately like I, I just don't want to give it the four just because like I need something to separate it from Tales of Bossing Say, which like has been living rent free in my head since we watched it. Like, I really <laughs> do think that episode is just so special. So I'm going to yeah. go to 3.9, just a little bit under you. But I, I really do think this is a great episode of Avatar. The listeners are just a bit under me at a 3.83. Uh, still very solid for the listener score, leaving this episode at a 3.91. That wow. is quite the score. Is uh, what's Tales of Bossing say at? Uh, Tales of Bossing. If you say, have that nearby. I do have it nearby. It's in a different notes page. So if you just like, I don't know, tell me about your favorite color or something. <laughs> no, I said I'll do some that. plugs. So if you want to <laughs> give us some five-star reviews, go to postshowrecaps.com slash ATLA. You can, that's like our dedicated Apple podcast feed. And uh, yeah, you can write in avatar at post show recaps, write in any feedback there as well. Any ideas you guys want to hear or games we can play in the season two and review podcast segment or any segments you want to send, feel free. We'll definitely consider them. Yep. Um, yeah, definitely. Please do write in. Uh, we do love the feedback. Uh, Tales of Bossing Say was at a 3.97. So come wow. ahead. Wow, there we go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about the episode rankings in season two. Uh, I do think one thing that is like pretty interesting is we have a few episodes which are like very close together. Uh, like, you know, we have Avatar State at 3.66, Zuko Alone at 3.67, The Drill at 3.68, and Appa's Lost Days at 3.68. So I think it'll be interesting after seeing those episodes, thinking about them a little bit more to see like, you know, are some too high or some too low? Maybe, yeah think about those a bit so i'm excited to talk about our episode rankings as we uh like go into our wrap-up for next week um but we also have the battle of the battle rankings to get into uh this week we have an epic battle between zuko and azula versus ang and katara um you know some others get involved but those are the main players um yep similar we're going to give a score between zero and four cabbages i'll start off I think this fight is a 3.9 as good as the episode. Uh, there's so many things that are right about this fight. Like I really do think this fight is something that I just remember all the time. This isn't a fight that like I think back on the moment at the end where Azula hits Aang in the back is just like so great. Um, but you know, I, I want to save a little bit of juice for the like best fights, I think, especially in the end of season three. So 3.9 is where I am. Zach, where are you? See, I'm a generous man and generous people. <laughs> we give out high scores. I'm giving this a four once again. It has virtually everything I want to fight. I also gave uh, Katara versus Paku. I gave that a four as well. And that's like a fight I think back on very fondly. So if like that's my benchmark, then this is also a four for me. 
Yeah, no, that that makes sense for me. Uh, This is definitely the highest fight that we have this season at a 3.95. The only thing even close is when Azula is taking on everyone in the chase episode at a 3.75. So this clearly is the best fight of the season. Uh, So like quite cool to see that there. Um, And then I'm trying to see if the fight last season was better. The fight last season looks like no, it looks like it was not better. So I think this is the best fight we've had. Wow. Best fight we've had throughout the whole series. There we go. There we go. I'm sure the finale fights will top it. I believe they will. Uh, yeah. that, that is exactly why I'm, I'm reserving just a little bit of score so I can, I can give that. Fight no, that's fair. I'm a little Oprah Winfrey when it comes to my scores. <laughs> I'm like, you get a four, you get a four. Everyone gets hey, a that's, four. That's, that's not too bad. You can be the nice one. I'll be the firebender on the podcast. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, just a few pieces of listener feedback we had not gotten to yet while we we're talking. Uh, both questions from Sarah. Uh, first question. Oh, and we have, never mind. We have one from Pat as well. Uh, but first question here is if Aang dies by lightning here, how do you think the show continues? Uh, just to give a nice thought exercise, Zach, what do we see in season three? If Aang is like knocked out, I think it's like they live in a world of like subjugation underneath the fire nation. I think the fire nation just wins. I don't think we don't even win. What's up? We, we, we don't even see them like try to take them on on the day of black sun and like try to mount an invasion. I mean, we do see that and it probably fails, to be honest. I don't know. Like, how how do they win without Aang? You know what I mean? It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, it's definitely tough. Uh, they barely win even with Aang. Like, uh, you know, Aang has to go, like, full, like, stealing the soul of someone else and, like, I guess, blasting their firebending into the sky to win. Like, uh, <laughs> it gets all weird in season three. But, like, yeah, he, he definitely has to go, like, crazy in order to win that fight. Um, True. Yeah, I, I think that I think you're right. I think that they lose. I think that probably Zuko realizes the error of his ways um, s- still, but I think it's probably too little too late. Maybe Zuko realizes the error of his ways and like together with Zuko, they can somehow take down Azula and Iroh, but or uh, not Azula and Iroh, Azula and Ozai. But it's an uphill battle to take down Ozai yes. without the Avatar with you. Um, I would feel like they'd have to wait for Korra. If Korra, assuming Korra gets born again, they'd have like wait for Korra to be of age for them to mount any attack. Yeah, that that probably is right. Uh, I mean, just imagine how bad it would be if Katara used that spirit water on Zuko's face. I mean, it would just be the worst if like uh, if she like used it just right too early and then wasn't able to save Aang. That would be quite tragic. I did not think of that, and you're so right. That would be so weird if uh, yeah. if she if she if Aang doesn't come in a second. If Aang comes in a second later, there's no yeah. more spirit water, I, and then he doesn't survive this lightning bolt to the chest. That that's true, and Zuko ha- doesn't have the scar in his eye. Maybe he like learns to accept and like normalizes himself a bit more. Like maybe we don't even see the Zuko redemption arc. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Wow, interesting thought experiment. Yep. Uh, one more question from Sarah here. She asks: We see Uncle Iroh turn against the Fire Nation here. Do you think he was subtly working against them the whole time, or he got a taste of the free life uh, and what it could look like in Bossing Say? Zach, do you think that Uncle Iroh is playing double agent or did he make a decision in the moment? 
I think he knew, like, as soon as he stepped in as a refugee, he was, like, kind of decided to cut all ties with the Fire Nation. Like, he knew there was no path back to him, no path back to the Fire Nation for him. So I, I don't think he was a prisoner of the moment thing. I think he had planned to cut to, to cut ties with the Fire Nation for a while now. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to say that he did it even earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go ahead and say that, like, um, that probably when he left on the ship with Zuko the first time, like when he left is when he decided like the fire nation's not for me. I think he wanted to stick with the, like keep the fire nation ties because he knew that it was important to Zuko. And he knew that like he wanted to influence Zuko. But my guess is that he was working um, a lot more in the interest of the white Lotus compared to the interest of the fire nation for a long time. That, that That's my guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think what you're saying makes sense. It could have yep. been even earlier. Yep. Um, all right, Zach, uh, do you have the question from Pat in front of you? Yeah, Pat's asking, do we have any alternate endings to the season or would we have done anything different narratively? So what do you think, Jacob? Do, would you have done anything different in this finale? Is there a change that you could make to bump it up to a four in your eyes? Yeah, so I I would not want the ending to change. I think where we end is exactly where we ought to end. Uh, like, I think this, like, Azula taking down Aang is right I think we could have done less with the guru and leading up to it. Uh, like, I don't know why we have to like have Aang make the sacrifice. Like it is an interesting turn in the episode, but I think we could have done something more to get it more naturally to that point and not needing like this, you know, guru Patik to come in and like, uh, you know, give Aang advice that he gave him last episode. And uh, yeah, I, I think ultimately I would have the motivations be more internal and not given by this guru. Uh, Zach, is there anything that you would change? No, not necessarily. I'd have a little more Sokka and Toph. This is a very quiet episode from both of them, but understandably so because they're trying to fit in like a million plot lines and like Azula turning on Long Fang and all the Zuko stuff. So I get it. I understand why. And I still have the episode as a four. But no, I think the ending is, like you said, is so perfect with Azula striking down Aang. It's like beautiful. I wasn't expecting that in the moment. And I don't think I could have written a better plot twist myself. So no, I think I think the writers, for the most part, got this episode right maybe i take yeah. out that one weird line we were talking about earlier from Sokka for sure from Sokka yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. but I, I really do think this is great i would be interested uh if anyone has anything that they want to change about the season two finale uh like definitely let us know um that'd be that'd be great to talk about next yeah. week um so yeah pat or anyone else wants to like give a different headcanon like uh let's hear it uh we'll definitely talk through these uh scenarios next week yeah, somebody who knows Pat, he's a pretty good writer. So I'm sure, Pat, if you're listening, you could write some pretty good headcanon. I believe in you. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, we're giving people assignments left and right. You know, people listen to our <laughs> podcast. Hopefully they enjoy it, but they're coming out with homework. Uh, I'm, you know, so, Pat, I'm so sorry, Will and Pat. My bad. Yeah, Pat has to write us an essay. Will has to make a game for us. Like, <laughs> uh, like, like Dan, would you like to make a social strategy game for us too? Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, you don't need to obviously do homework for this podcast but no definitely not of course if if they want to do anything out of the freedom with the freedom that they have that's fair but oh i did want to mention so dan was talking about doing uh, a spite run i i'm excited uh so he said like that he created the wheel jam game out of spite um mm-hmm. and that he was going to do like a spite run i'm excited to see what it is i'm i'm following closely along uh on his runs now yeah. Oh, so he's going to do a run of the word spite. Is that what he's well, going to do? I, I, I'm not sure what it'll be. I, 
I'm sure he'll be creative. He, whatever he does is always great. Uh, so I'm excited to see what it is. The other thing I was thinking about when he was doing this, uh, so he like posted, this is very niche, but he posted a bunch of like different cues uh, that he like ran. So he like ran a bunch of different paths, like all trying to make the letter Q. And I realized how hard it is that there aren't like diagonal streets. Like if you were trying to make like an arrow or anything, like, it would be so difficult because there's no diagonal street to like make that V formation that you need in the arrow. That's true. But I do oddly enough, live near a couple of diagonal streets. There's two streets in my neighborhood that are like parallel to each other, but then they also intersect. So it's kind of like a triangle of two streets. Uh, I mean, it sounds like you need to do all of the runs that uh, Dan can't. I'm too fat to be running like that. <laughs> I can't run like the millions of kilometers Dan be running. So millions. Uh, oh my gosh. Wow, he must run all the way from Z to X. <laughs> oh, wait, no, Z to X would be a long way. X to Z is very X short. X to Z. Yeah, there we go. Exactly. X to Z. Anyway, um, I just thought that was interesting. You know, we're an hour and 40 minutes in the podcast. We can talk about spite runs and cues and all hey, that. Yeah, if you're still listening, Shot, you're a true fan. So yes, thank you. Yes. Yeah, th- thank you so much. I mean, we are at our crossroads of destiny. We're at the end of season two. Thank you so much for coming along the ride with us. Like, this really has been so fun. Zach, it's been great to podcast with you every week, but it's been even more fun to have people go along the ride with us. Uh, the people who are writing in, letting us know, uh, the re- people who are leaving reviews, like all this is genuinely appreciated. So thank you so much uh, for listening and making this so fun to do. Yeah, I co-sign all of that. Thank you so much to our true fans who just write in, give us feedback, and listen to every silly podcast we do. I mean, half the time, me and Jacob are just talking nonsense. (laughs) So the fact that people enjoy what we're doing, it really brings a smile to my face and makes me happy. So thank you. And you know what? Even the people who aren't true fans, even the people who are doing it halfway, like, thank you. Uh, You know, you can do it like 10%. You won't be hearing this part because it's like an hour and 40 minutes in, but (laughs) you're appreciated too. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Anyway, that's all we have for you this week. Next week, we'll be back with a season two retrospective. I'm very excited to reflect on season two, uh, talk about the different journeys, and we will see uh, what sort of hijinks we get up to. Zach, until next week, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at ZachMohammed32. And where can they find you, Jacob? People can find me on Twitter at JKRedman. And listen to the What You Doing pod with Zach on it. Uh, Very fun, very fun podcast. So definitely check that one out. Yeah. Uh, And until then, we will see you next time. Peace out, everyone. Bye. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.